Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we will read chapters 3 to 4. Now in the previous chapter, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover had and Thalia had all gone to a military school to find two uh, children that looked like demigods according to Grover and their names turned out to be Bianca and Nico D'Angelo but before they could take them back to Camp Half-Blood Dr. Thorne who is a monster and the vice president of the school came in and try and uh, took them to a separate part of the school where and then he turned into a manticore and while Percy, Thalia uh, were trying to fight it, the hunters of Artemis came in and saved them. But then uh, the manticore fell off the cliff with Annabeth. And now we read what happened to Annabeth or what will happen to the two kids. Chapter 3. Bianca D'Angelo makes a choice. After seeing Dr. Thorne third turn into a monster and plummet off the edge of a cliff with Annabeth, you'd think nothing else could shock me. But when this 12-year-old girl told me she was the goddess Artemis, I said something real intelligent, like, um, okay. That was nothing compared to Grover. He gasped, he gasped, then knelt hastily in the snow and started yammering. Thank you, Lady Artemis. You're, you're so, you're so, wow. Get up, goat boy. Thalia snapped. We have other things to worry about. Annabeth is gone. Whoa, Bianca D'Angelo said. Hold up. Time out. Everybody looked at her. She pointed her finger at all of us in turn, like she was trying to connect the dots. Who who are you people? Artemis's expression softened. It might be a better question, my dear girl, to ask who are you? Who are your parents? Bianca glanced nervously at her brother, who was still staring at in awe at Artemis. Our parents are dead, Bianca said. We're orphans. There's a bank trust that pays for our school, but... She faltered. I guess she could tell from our faces that we didn't believe her. What? She demanded. I'm telling the truth. You are a half-blood, Zoe Nightshade said. Her accent was hard to place. It sounded old-fashioned, like she was reading from an old book. One of thy parents was mortal. The other was an Olympian. An Olympian athlete? No, Zoe said. One of the gods. Cool, said Nico. No, Bianca's voice quavered. This is not cool. Nico danced around like he needed to use the restroom. Does Zeus really have lightning bolts that do 600 damage? Does he get extra movement points for... Nico, shut up. Bianca put her hands to his face. This is not your stupid magic game, okay? There are no gods. As anxious as I felt about Annabeth, all I wanted to do was search for her. I couldn't help feeling I couldn't help feeling sorry for the D'Angelos. I remembered what it was like for me when I first learned I was a demigod. Thalia must have been feeling something similar, because the anger in her eyes subsided a little bit. Bianca, I know it's hard to believe, but the gods are still around. Trust me, they're immortal. And whenever they have kids with regular humans, kids like us, well, our lives are dangerous. Dangerous, Bianca said, like the girl who fell. Thalia turned away. Even Artemis looked pained. Do not despair for Annabeth, the goddess said. She was a brave maiden. If she can be found, I will I shall find her. Then why don't you why won't you let us go look for her? I asked. She is gone. Can't you sense it, son of Poseidon? Some magic is at work. I do not know exactly how or why, but your friend has vanished. 
I still wanted to jump off the cliff and search for her, but I had a feeling that Artemis was right. Ambeth was gone. If she'd been down there in the sea, I thought I'd be able to feel her presence. Ooh! Do Anika raised his hand. What about Dr. Thorne? That was awesome how you shoot him with arrows. Is he dead? He was a manticore, Artemis said. Hopefully he is destroyed for now, but monsters never truly die. They reform over and over again, and they must be hunted whenever they re reappear. Or they'll hunt us, Thalia said. Bianca, Bianca D'Angelo shivered. That explains. Nico, you remember last summer? Those guys who tried to attack us in the alley in D.C.? And that bus driver, Nico said. The one with the ram horns. I told you that was real. That's why Grover has been watching you, I said. To keep you safe if you turned out to be half-bloods. Grover? Bianca stared at him. You're a demigod? Well, a satire, actually. He kicked off his shoes and displayed his goat hooves. I thought Bianca was going to fate right there. Grover, put your shoes back on, Thalia said. You're freaking her out. Hey, my hooves are clean. Bianca, I said, we came here to help you. You and Nico need training to survive. Dr. Thorne won't be the last some monster you meet. You need to come to camp. Camp? She asked. Camp Half-Blood, I said. It's where Half-Bloods learn to survive and stuff. You can join us. Stay there year-round if you like. Sweet, let's go, said Nico. Wait. Bianca shook her head. I don't. There is another option, Zoe said. No, there isn't, Thalia said. Thalia and Zoe glared at each other. I didn't know what they were talking about, but I could tell there was some bad history between them. For some reason, they seriously hated each other. We've burdened these children enough, Artemis announced. Zoe, we will rest here for a few hours. Raise the tents. Treat the wounded. Retrieve our guest belongings from the school. Yes, my lady. And Bianca, come with me. I would like to speak with you. What about me? Nico asked. Artemis considered the boy. Perhaps you can show Grover how to play that card game you enjoy. I'm sure Grover would be happy to enter entertain you for a while. As a favor to me? Grover just about tripped over himself getting up. You bet! Come on, Nico! Nico and Grover walked off toward the woods, talking about hit points and armor ratings and a bunch of other geeky stuff. Artemis let a confusing look Bianca along the cliff. The hunters began unpacking their knapsacks and making camp. Zoe gave Thalia one more evil look, then left to oversee things. As soon as she was gone, Thalia stamped her foot in frustration. The nerve of those hunters! They think they're so... Ugh! I'm with you, I said. I don't trust... Oh, you're with me? Thalia turned on me furiously. What were you thinking back there in the gym, Percy? You take on Dr. Thorne all by yourself? You know he's a monster. I... If we'd stuck together, we could have taken him without the hunters getting involved. Ambit might still be here. Did you think of that? My jaw clenched. I thought of some harsh things to say. I might have said them too. But then I looked down and saw something. Navy blue lying in the snow at my feet. Ambit's New York Yankees baseball cap. Talia didn't say another word. She wiped a tear from her cheek, turned, and marched off, leaving me alone with a trampled cap in the snow. The hunters set up the camping site in a matter of minutes. Seven large tents, all of silver silk, covered, curved into the crescent around one side of a bonfire. One of the girls blew a silver dog whistle, and a dozen white wolves appeared out of the woods. They began circling the camp like guard dogs. The hunters walked among them and fed them treats, completely unafraid. 
But I decided I would stick close to the tents. Falcons watching us from the trees, their eyes flashing in the firelight. And I got the feeling they were on guard duty too. Even the weather seemed to bend to the goddess's will. The air was still cold, but the wind died down and the snow stopped falling. So it was almost pleasant sitting by the fire. Almost. Except for the pain in my shoulder and the guilt weighing me down. I couldn't believe Annabeth was gone. And as angry as, as I was at Thalia, I had a sinking feeling that she was right. It was my fault. What had Annabeth wanted to tell me in the gym? Something serious, she said. Now I might never find out. I thought about how we danced together for half a song, and my heart felt even heavier. I watched Thalia pacing in the snow at the edge of camp, walking among the wolves without fear. She stopped and looked back at Westover Hall, which was now completely dark, looming on the hillside beyond the woods. I wondered what she was thinking. Seven years ago, Thalia had been turned into a pine tree by her father, to prevent her from dying. She'd stood her ground against an army of monsters on top of Half-Blood Hill in order to give her friends Luke and Annabeth time to escape. She'd only been back as a human for a few months now, and once in a while, she would stand so motionless, you'd still think she was a tree. Finally, one of the hunters brought me my backpack. Grover and Nico came back from their walk, and Grover helped me fix up my wounded arm. It's green! Nico said with delight. Hold still, Grover told me. Here, eat some ambrosia while I clean that out. I winced as he dressed the wound, but the ambrosia square helped. It tasted like homemade brownie, dissolving in my mouth and sending a warm feeling through my whole body. Between that and the magic slave Grover used, my shoulder felt better within a couple of minutes. Nico rummaged through his own bag, which the hunters had apparently packed for him. Though how they'd snuck into Westover Hall unseen, I didn't know. Nico laid out a bunch of figurines in the snow. Little battle replicas of Greek gods and and heroes. I recognized Zeus with a lightning bolt, Ares with a spear, Apollo with his sun chariot. Big collection, I said. Nico grinned. I've got almost all of them, plus their holographic cards. Well, except for a few really rare ones. You've been playing this game a long time. Just this year. Before that, he knit his eyebrows. What? I asked. I forget. That's weird. He looked unsettled, but it didn't last long. Hey, can I see that sword you were using? I showed him Riptide and explained how it turned from a pen into a sword just by uncapping it. Cool! Does it ever run out of ink? Um, well, I don't actually write with it. Are you really the son of Poseidon? Well, yeah. Can you surf really well then? I looked at Grover, who was trying hard not to laugh. Jeez, Nico, I said. I've never really tried. He went on asking questions. Did I fight a lot with Thalia since she was the daughter of Zeus? I didn't answer that one. If Annabeth's mother was Athena, the goddess of wisdom, then why didn't Annabeth know better than to fall off a cliff? I tried not to strangle Nico for asking that one. Was Annabeth my girlfriend? At this point, I was ready to stick the kid in a meat-flavored sack and throw him to the wolves. I figured any second he was going to ask me how many hit points I had, and I'd lose my cool completely. But then Zoe Nightshade came up to us. Percy Jackson. She had dark brown eyes and a slightly upturned nose. With her silver circlet and her pride, proud expression, she looked so much like royalty that I had to resist the urge to sit up straight and say, Yes, ma'am. She studied me distastefully, like I was a bag of dirty laundry she'd been set to fetch. Come with me, she said. Lady Artemis wishes to speak to with thee. Zoe led me to the last tent, which looked no different from the others, and waved me inside. 
Bianca D'Angelo was seated next to the auburn hair girl, who I still had trouble thinking of as Artemis. The inside of the tent was warm and comfortable. Silk rugs and pillows covered the floor. In the center, a golden brazier of fire seemed to burn without fuel or smoke. Behind the goddess, on a polished oak display stand, was her huge silver bow, carved to resemble gazelle horns. The walls were hung with animal pelts, black bear, tiger, and several others I didn't recognize. I feared an animal rights activist would have had a heart attack looking at all those rare skins. But maybe since Artemis was the goddess of the hunt, she could replenish whatever she shot. I thought she had another animal pelt lying next to her, and then I realized it was a live animal. A deer with glittering fur and silver horns, its head resting contently in Artemis's lap. Join us, Percy Jackson, the goddess said. I sat across from her on the tenth floor. The goddess studied me, which made me uncomfortable. She had such old eyes for a young girl. Are you surprised by my age? She asked. Uh, a little. I could appear as a grown woman, or a blazing fire, or anything else I want, but this is what I prefer. This is the average age of my hunters, and all young maidens for who I am patron, before they go astray. Go astray? I asked. Grow up, become smitten with boys, become silly, preoccupied, insecure, forget themselves. Oh. Zoe sat down at Artemis's right. She glared at me if all the stuff Artemis had said, just said, was my fault. Like I'd invented the idea of being a guy. You must forgive my hunters if they do not welcome you, Artemis said. It is very rare that we would have boys in this camp. Boys are usually forbidden to have any contact with the hunters. The last one to see this camp... She looked at Zoe. Which one was it? That boy in Colorado, Zoe said. You turned him into a jackalope. Ah, yes. Artemis nodded, satisfied. I enjoy making jackalopes. At any rate, Percy, I've asked you here so that you might tell me more of the manticore. Bianca has reported some of the mm, disturbing things the monster said, but she may have not understood them. I like to hear them from you. And so I told her. When I was done, Artemis put her hand thoughtfully on her silver bow. I feared this was the answer. Zoe sat forward. The scent, my lady? Yes. What scent? I asked. Things are stirring that I have not hunted in millennia. Artemis murmured. Pray so old I have nearly forgotten. She stared at me intently. We came here tonight sensing the manticore, but he was not the one I seek. Tell me again, exactly what Dr. Thorne said. Um, I hate middle school dances. No, no, after that. He said somebody called the general was going to explain things to me. Zoe's face paled. She turned to Artemis and started to say something, but Artemis raised her hand. Go on, Percy, the goddess said. Well then, Dr. Thorne was, Thorne was talking about the great steer pot. Steering, Bianca corrected. Yeah, and he said soon we shall have the most important monster of all, the one that shall bring about the downfall of Olympus. The goddess was so still, she could have been a statue. Maybe he was lying, I said. Artemis shook her head. No, he was not. I've been too slow to see the signs. I must hunt this monster. Zoe looked like she was trying very hard not to be afraid, but she nodded. We will leave right away, my lady. No, Zoe, I must do this alone. But Artemis, this task is too dangerous even for the hunters. You know where I must start my search. You cannot go there with me. As you wish, my lady. I will find this creature, Artemis vowed, and I shall bring it back to Olympus by winter solstice. It will be all the proof I need to convince the Council of the Gods of how much danger we are in. You know what the monster is? I asked. Artemis gripped her bow. 
Let us pray, I am wrong. Can goddesses pray? I asked, because I never really thought about that. A flicker of smile played across Artemis' lips. Before I go, Percy Jackson, I have a small task for you. Does it involve getting turned into a jackalope? Sadly, no. I want, escort, I want you to escort the hunters back to ha- Camp Half-Blood. They can stay there in safety until I return. What? Zoe blurted out. But Artemis, we hate that place. The last time we stayed there... Yes, I know, Artemis said, but I'm sure Dionysus will not hold a grudge just because of a little uh, misunderstanding. It's your right to use cabinet whenever you are in need. Besides, I hear they rebuilt the cabins that you burned down. Zoe muttered something foolish about campers. And now there's one last decision to make. Artemis turned to Bianca. Have you made up your mind, my girl? Bianca hesitated. I- I'm still thinking about it. Wait. I said, thinking about what? They've they've invited me to join the hunt. What? But you can't! You have to come to half Camp Applewood so Sharon can train you. It's the only way you can learn to survive. It is not the only way for a girl, Zoe said. I couldn't believe I was hearing this. Bianca, camp is cool. It's got a Pegasus stable and a sword fighting arena. And I'm, I mean, what do you get by joining the hunters? To begin with, Zoe said, immortality. I stared at her, then at Artemis. She's kidding, right? Zoe rarely kids about anything, Artemis said. My hunters follow me on my adventures. They are my maidservants, my companions, my sisters in arms. Once they swear loyalty to me, they are indeed immortal, unless they fall in battle, which is unlikely, or break their oath. What oath? I said. To forswear romantic love forever, Artemis said. To never grow up, never get married, to be a maiden eternally. Like you? The goddess nodded. I tried to imagine what she was saying. Being immortal, hanging out with only middle school girls forever? I couldn't get my mind around it. So, you just go around the country recruiting half-bloods? Not just half-bloods, Zoe interrupted. Lady Artemis does not discriminate by birth. All who honor the goddess may join. Half-bloods, nymphs, mortals. Which are you then? Anger flashed in Zoe's eyes. That is not thy concern, boy. The point is, Bianca may join if she wishes. It is her choice. Bianca, this is crazy. I said, what about your brother? Nico can't be a hunter. Certainly not. Artemis agreed. He will go to camp. Unfortunately, that's the best boys can do. Hey! I protested. You can see him from time to time, Artemis assured Bianca. But you'll be free of responsibility. He will have the camp counselors to take care of him. And you will have a new family. Us. A new family. Bianca repeated dreamily, free of responsibility. Bianca, you can't do this, I said. It's nuts. She looked at Zoe. Is it worth it? Zoe nodded. It is. What do I have to do? Say this, Zoe told her. I pledge myself to the goddess Artemis. I I pledge myself to the goddess Artemis. I turn my back on the company of men except eternal mainhood and join the hunt. Bianca repeated the lines. That's it? Zoe nodded. If Lady Artemis accepts thy pledge, then it is binding. I accept it, Artemis said. The flames in the brazier brightened, casting a silver glow over the room. Bianca looked no different, but she took a deep breath and opened her eyes wide. I feel stronger. Welcome, sister, Zoe said. Remember your pledge, Artemis said. It is now your life. 
I couldn't speak. I felt like a trespasser and a complete failure. I couldn't believe I'd come all this way and suffered so much only to lose Bianca to some eternal girls club. Do not despair, Percy Jackson, Artemis said. You still get to show the D'Angelo's your camp, and if Nico so chooses, he can stay there. Great, I said, trying not to sound surly. How are we supposed to get there? Artemis closed her eyes. Dawn is approaching, Zoe. Break camp. You must get to Long Island quickly and safely. I shall summon a ride from my brother. Zoe didn't look real happy about this idea, but she nodded and told Bianca to follow her. As she was leaving, Bianca paused in front of me. I'm sorry, Percy, but I want to do. I want this. I really, really do. Then she was gone, and I was left alone with a 12-year-old goddess. So, I said glumly, we're going to get a ride from your brother, huh? Artemis' silver eyes gleamed. Yes, boy. You see, Bianca D'Angelo is not the only one with an annoying brother. It's time for you to meet my irresponsible twin, Apollo. And that is the end of chapter three. That was a very interesting chapter, considering how we'll be able to meet Apollo now and get to know what kind of personality he has, as well as what uh, the godly parents of Nico and Bianca D'Angelo might be. So, right after the break, we will read Chapter 4, Thalia Torches, New England. And we are back from the ads. We will now read Chapter 4, Thalia Torches, New England. Artemis assured us that dawn was coming, but you could have fooled me. It was colder and darker and snowier than ever. Up on the hill, Westover Hall's windows were completely lightless. I wondered if the teachers had even noticed that D'Angelo's and Dr. Thorne were missing yet. I didn't want to be around when they did. With my luck, the only name Mrs. Gottschalk would remember was Percy Jackson, and then I'd be the subject of a nationwide manhunt. Again. The hunters broke camp as quickly as they'd set it up. I stood shivering in the snow, unlike the hunters who didn't seem to feel at all uncomfortable, and Artemis stared into the east like she was expecting something. Bianca sat off to one side, talking with Nico. I could tell from his gloomy face that she was explaining her decision to join the hunt. I couldn't help thinking how selfish it was of her, abandoning her brother like that. Thalia and Grover came up and huddled around me, anxious to hear what had happened in in my audience with the goddess. When I told him, Grover turned pale. The last time the hunters visited camp, it didn't go well. How'd they even show up here? I wondered. I mean, they just appeared out of nowhere. And Bianca joined them. Thalia said, disgusted. It's all Zoe's fault. That's stuck up no good. Who can blame her? Grover said. Eternity with Artemis? He heaved a big sigh. <sighs> Thalia rolled her eyes. You satires, you're all in love with Artemis. Don't you get that she'll never love you back? But she's so into nature. Grover swooned. You're nuts, said Thalia. Nuts and berries, Grover said dreamily. Yeah. Finally, the sky began to lighten. Artemis muttered, About time. He's so lazy during the winter. You're, um, waiting for sunrise? I asked. For my brother, yes. I didn't want to be rude. I mean, I knew the legends of about Apollo, or sometimes Helios, driving a big sun chariot across the sky. But I also know that the sun was really a star about a zillion miles away. I'd gotten used to some of the Greek myths being true. But still, I didn't see how Apollo could drive the sun. It's not exactly as you think, Artemis said like she was reading my mind. Oh, okay, 
I start to relax, so it's not like he'll be pulling up in a... There's a sudden burst of light on the horizon. A blast of warmth. Don't look, Artemis advised. Not until he parks. Parks? I averted my eyes and saw that the other kids were doing the same. The light and warmth intensified until my winter coat felt like it was melting off of me. Then suddenly, the light died. I looked, and I couldn't believe it. It was my car. Well, the car I wanted, anyway. A red convertible Maserati Spider. It was so awesome it glowed. Then I realized it was glowing because the metal was hot. The snow had melted around the Maserati in a perfect circle, which explained why I was now standing on green grass and my shoes were wet. The driver got out, smiling. He looked about 17 or 18, and for a second, I had the uneasy feeling it was Luke, my old enemy. This guy had the same sandy hair and outdoorsy good looks, but it wasn't Luke. This guy was taller, with no scar in his face like Luke's. His smile was brighter and more playful. Luke didn't do much more than scowl and sneer these days. The Maserati driver wore jeans and loafers and a sleeveless t-shirt. Wow, Talia muttered. Apollo is hot. He's a sun god, I said. That's not what I meant. Little sister, Apollo called. If his teeth were any wider, he could have blinded us without the sun car. What's up? You never call. You never write. I was getting worried. Artemis sighed. I'm fine, Apollo, and I'm not your little sister. Hey, I was born first. We're twins! How many millennia do we have to argue? So what's up? He interrupted. Got the girls with you, I see. You all need some tips on archery? Artemis gritted her teeth. I need a favor. I have some hunting to do alone. I need you to take my companions to Camp Half-Blood. Sure, sis. Then he raised his hands in a stop-everything gesture. I feel a haiku coming on. The hunters all groaned. Apparently, they'd met Apollo before. Here, he cleared his throat and held up one hand dramatically. Green grass breaks through snow. Artemis pleads for my help. I am so cool. He grinned at us, waiting for applause. That last line was only four syllables, Artemis said. Apollo frowned. Was it? Yes. What about I am so big-headed? No, that, no, no, that's six syllables. Hmm. He started muttering to himself. Zoe Nightshade turned to us. Lord Apollo has been going through this haiku phase ever since he visited Japan. Tis not as bad as the time he visited Limerick. If I had to hear one more poem that started with, There was once a goddess from Sparta. I've got it, Apollo announced. I am so awesome. That's five syllables, he bowed, looking very pleased with himself. And now, sis, transportation for the hunters, you say? Good timing. I was just about to ready, ready to roll. These demigods will also need a ride, Artemis said, pointing to us. Some of Sharon's campers. No problem. Apollo checked us out. Let's see. Thalia, right? I've heard all about you. Thalia blushed. Hi, Lord Apollo. Zeus's girl, yes? Makes you my half-sister. Used to be a tree, didn't you? Glad you're back. I hate it when pretty girls turn to trees. Man, I remember one time. Brother, Artemis said. You should get going. Oh, right. Then he looked at me. His eyes narrowed. Percy Jackson? Yeah, I mean, yes, sir. It seemed weird calling a teenager sir, but I learned to be careful with the immortals. They tended to get offended easily, then they blew stuff up. Apollo studied me, but he didn't say anything, which I found a little creepy. Well, he said at last, we better load up, huh? Ride only goes one way, west, and if you miss it, you miss it. I looked at the Maserati, which would see two people max. There are about 20 of us. 
Cool car, Nico said. Thanks, kid, Apollo said. But how will we all fit? Oh, Apollo seemed to notice the problem for the first time. Well, yeah, I hated to change out of sports cars mode, but I suppose. He took out his car keys and beeped the security alarm button. Chirp, chirp. For a moment, the car glowed brightly again. When the glare died, the Maserati had been replaced by one of those turtle-top shuttle buses like we use for school basketball games. Right, he said. Everybody in. Zoe ordered the hunters to start loading. She picked up her camping pack, and Apollo said, Here, sweetheart, let me get that. Zoe recoiled. Her eyes flashed murderously. Brother, Artemis chided, You do not help my hunters. You do not look at, to or talk to, or flirt with my hunters. And you do not call them sweetheart. Apollo spread his hands. Sorry, I forgot. Hey, sis, where are you off to anyway? Hunting, Artemis said. It's none of your business. I'll find out. I see y'all. No all. Artemis snorted. Just drop them off, Apollo, and no messing around. No, no, I never mess around. Artemis rolled her eyes and then looked at us. I will see you by winter solstice, Zoe. You are in charge of the hunters. Do well. Do as I would do. Zoe strained. Yes, my lady. Artemis knelt and touched the ground as of looking for tracks. When she rose, she looked troubled. So much danger. The beast must be found. She sprinted toward the woods and melted into the snow and shadows. Apollo turned and grinned, jangling the car keys on his finger. So, he said, who wants to drive? The hunters piled into the van. They all crammed into the back so they'd be as far away as, impos as possible from Apollo and the rest of us highly infectious males. Bianca sat with them, leaving her little brother to hang in front of with us. It seemed cold to me, but Nico said didn't seem to mind. This is so cool, Nico said, jumping up and down in the driver's seat. Is this really the sun? I thought Helios and Selene were the sun and moon gods. How come sometimes it's them and sometimes it's you and Artemis? Downsizing, Apollo said. The Romans started it. They couldn't afford all those temple sacrifices, so they laid off Helios and Selene and folded their duties into our job descriptions. My sis got the moon. I got the sun. It was pretty annoying at first, but at least I got this cool car. But how does it work? Nico asked. I thought the sun was a big fiery ball of gas. Paul chuckled and ruffled Nico's hair. <laughs> that rumor probably got started because Artemis used to call me a big fiery ball of gas. Seriously, kid, it depends on whether you're talking astronomy or philosophy. You want to talk astronomy? Bah, what's fun? what fun is that? You want to talk about how humans think about the sun? Ah, now that's more interesting. They've got a lot of writing on the sun, er, so to speak. It keeps them warm, grows their crops, powers engines, makes everything look, well, sunnier. This chariot is built out of human dreams about the sun, kid. It's as old as Western civilization. Every day, it drives across the sky from east to west, lining up all those puny little mortal lives. The chariot is a manifestation of the sun's power, the way mortals perceive it. Make sense? Nico shook his head. No. Well then, just think of it as a really powerful, really dangerous solar car. Can I drive? No, too young. Ooh, ooh! Grover raised his hand. Mm, no, Apollo said, too furry. He looked past me and focused on Thalia. Daughter of Zeus, he said, Lord of the Sky. Perfect. Oh, no. Thalia shook her head. No, thanks. Come on, Paul said. How old are you? Thalia hesitated. I don't know. It was sad, but true. She'd been turned into a tree when she was 12, but that had been seven years ago. She should be 19. If you went by years, but she still looked like she still felt like she was 12. And if you look at her, looked at her, she seemed somewhere in between. The best Sharon could figure, she had kept aging while in tree form, but much more slowly. 
Apollo tapped his fingers to his lips. You're 15, almost 16. How do you know that? Hey, I'm the god of prophecy. I know stuff. You'll turn 16 in about a week. That's my birthday! December 22nd. Which means you're old enough now to drive with a learner's permit! Thalia shifted her feet nervously. Uh, I know what you're gonna say, Apollo said. You don't deserve an honor like driving the sun chariot. That's not what I was gonna say. Don't sweat it! Maine to Long Island is a really short trip, and don't worry about what happened to the last kid I trained. Yours is his daughter! He's not gonna blast you out of the sky! Apollo laughed, good naturally. The rest of us didn't join him. Thalia tried to protest, but Apollo was absolutely not gonna take no for an answer. He hit a button on the dashboard, and a sign popped up along the top of the windshield. I had to read it backward, which for a dyslexic really isn't that different than reading forward. I was pretty sure it said, Warning, student driver. Take it away, Apollo told Thalia. You're gonna be a natural. I'll admit, I was jealous. I couldn't wait to start driving. A couple of times that fall, my mom had taken me out to Montauk when the beach road was empty, and she let me try it out or try out her Mazda. I mean, yeah, that was a Japanese compact, and this was a sun chariot, but how different could it be? Speed equals heat, Apollo advised, so start slowly, and make sure you've got good altitude before you really open her up. Dahlia gripped the wheel so tight her knuckles turned white. She looked like she was going to be sick. What's wrong? I asked her. Nothing, she said shakily. Nothing is wrong. She pulled back on the wheel. It tilted. The bus lurched upwards so fast I fell back and crashed against something soft. Ow, Grover said. Sorry. Slower, Apollo said. Sorry, Thalia said. I've got it under control. I managed to get to my feet. Looking out the window, I saw a smoking ring of trees from the clearing where we'd taken off. Thalia, I said, lighten up on the accelerator. I've got it, Percy. She said, gritting her teeth, but she kept it floored. Loosen up, I told her. I am lo- I'm loose, Dahlia said. She was so stiff, she looked like she was made of plywood. We need to veer south for Long Island, Apollo said. Hang left. Dahlia jerked the wheel and again threw me into Grover, who yelped. The other left, Apollo suggested. I made the mistake of looking out the window again. We were at airplane height now. So high, the sky was starting to look black. Ah, Paul said. I got the feeling he was forcing himself to sound calm. A little lower, sweetheart. Cape Cod is freezing over there. Talia tilted the wheel. Her face was chalk white. Her forehead beaded with sweat. Something was definitely wrong. I'd never seen her like this. The buzz pitched down and someone, somebody screamed. Maybe it was me. Now we were heading straight toward the Atlantic Ocean at a thousand miles an hour. The New England coastline off to our right. And it was getting hot in the bus. Apollo had been thrown somewhere in the back of the bus, but he started climbing up the row of the seats. Take the wheel! Grover begged him. No worries, Paul said. You look plenty worried. She just has to learn to... Whoa! I saw what he was seeing. Down below us was a little snow-covered New England town. At least, it used to be snow-covered. As I watched, the snow melted off the trees and roofs and the lawns. The white steeple on a church turned brown and started to smolder. Little plumes of smoke like birthday candles were popping up all over the town. Trees and rooftops were couching fi- catching fire. Pull up! I yelled. There was a wild light in Thalia's eyes. She yanked back on the wheel and I held on this time. As we zoomed up, I could see through the back window that the fires in the town were being snuffed out by the sudden blast of cold. There! Apollo pointed. Long Island, dead ahead. Let's slow down, dear. Dead is, an o- is only an expression. 
Thalia was thundering toward the coastline of northern Long Island. There was Camp Half-Blood, the valley, the woods, the beach. I could see the dining pavilion and cabins in the amphitheater. I'm under control, Thalia muttered. I'm under control. We are only a few hundred yards away now. Break, Apollo said. I can do this. Break! Thalia slammed her foot on the brake, and the sun bus pitched forward at a 45-degree angle, slamming into the Camp Half-Blood canoe lake with a huge floosh. Steam billowed up, sending several frightened naiads scrambling out of the water with half-woven wicker baskets. The bus bobbed to the surface, along with a couple of capsized, half-melted canoes. Well, said Apollo with a brave smile, you are right, my dear. You had everything under control. Let's go see if we boiled anyone important, shall we? And that is the end of chapter four. That was a really funny chapter, considering how... You know, Thalia was just driving her for the first time, and it was like a sun bus. So, yeah, maybe not the best option to give to a first-time driver, but, yeah, at least she was able to, you know, land okay and not the best way, but not the worst way as well. So, next week, we will read chapters 5 through 6, and until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom.